Welcome in to the New Orleans Saints podcast, hosted by Aaron Summers and John DeShazer. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers who cover the team on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your hosts, Aaron Summers and John DeShazer. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. I'm Aaron Summers. The Saints take on the Colts in Indianapolis this weekend. Both teams are three and four heading into this one and both looking to get to 500. A lot of focus this week for the Saints has been on how they can limit the Colts run game. The Colts put up 124 yards on the ground per game and rely heavily on running backs Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss. Taylor scored his first touchdown since last November in Sunday's game against the Browns. He's been slowly coming back from injury and got his first start last week. Setting up that run game has been big for backup quarterback Gardner Minshew. The Colts do have a few receiving threats led by Michael Pittman Jr., who has 42 receptions, 489 receiving yards, and two receiving touchdowns this season. He's been joined by rookie Josh Downs. Here is Colin Saunders on the defense's focus against the Colts. They got a really good O-line, um, really good powerful O-line that can move guys off the ball. And um, so it starts with kind of making sure that we match up to them and making sure that we um, you know, match their level of physicality and exceed it. And so um, that's the first thing. And then obviously, even when you, you, know, you got a good O-line, but the back is also dynamic, that's something you got to worry about. So we got to make sure that we're um, being gap disciplined and we got to make sure we're wrapping up and tackling because um, this guy, had the, the running back being, um, guy has everything you need in a, and to be an explosive running back, the speed, the break tackle, the tackle ability, and everything else. So we just going to have to make sure when we get our hands on them, you know, bring them down and then stay in our gaps to be able to have our hands on them. Offensively, the Saints know they have to be better in the red zone. They're currently 28th in the league. Here's quarterback Derek Carr on where the team is coming off the loss to Jacksonville. We're like a few plays away on some certain things where when we made the corrections in there, man, if we did that, look what it could be. Next week we did that thing better and then it was something else. And the only way we're going to get better, I told you, I said it early too, is like you got to play games together. And I'm going to get, you know, there's certain things like I had to break down. If it's this look, I'm getting it. I'm, I want to do this. If I see this and this and I want to do this and it changes from week to week and, you know, things that I'm used to doing, uh, you know, that are second nature to me, man, we're, it's a whole new learning curve because I'm dealing with new, you know, this or that. And so I feel like we keep getting better on certain things. And that's why I still have hope. You know, if, if we had a bunch of guys come in here sad and feeling sorry for themselves and, you know, not working and practice was terrible, then I'd be, you know, I probably would be too emotional again, honestly. But I, I don't feel that way because of the men that I'm around. I just continue to see this fight to want to get it right. And so uh, still early in the season, we're going to be all right. Running back Alvin Kamara did not practice Wednesday due to illness, but he was back on the field as a full go Thursday. The running back has carried the brunt of the work for the Saints in the backfield with a season-high 29 touches versus the Jags. Head coach Dennis Allen said his workload will lessen this week with Kendra Miller and Jamal Williams fully back in the mix. Offensive lineman James Hurst has not practiced all week. JT Gray returned to the practice field on Wednesday in limited fashion, but then did not participate on Thursday. Tight end Jawan Johnson 
made his return to the practice field, has been limited all week, but that's good news after he missed four games with a calf injury. Offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael said they're really happy to have him back. Yeah, I think that uh, we're excited to have him back out of practice, and uh, I think that he brings an element to the pass game vertically that uh, you know I think that that we like. I think that he does a number of things though, as far as routes, and then again, he's always feel like his run game block has been underestimated a little bit or not talked about as much. But I think that uh, you know we'll see where he's at for Sunday. But I think that he brings the you know he brings an element of the passing game that we feel really good about. With the away game, there is a Caesars watch party Sunday at Manning's, so head there to watch the Saints take on the Colts at 12 o'clock. There will be giveaways, the cheer crew, and a lot of fun to be had there. For today's podcast guests, we are bringing in the NFL on Fox play-by-play for Sunday's game, Kevin Kugler. Let's bring Kevin in with John DeShazer and myself now. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You're getting a second dose of the Saints as you had them last week here in New Orleans on the radio side against Jacksonville, and you're getting them against the Colts. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. You guys really appreciate it. What is the preparation like going into each week that you have a game? And you mentioned that you do radio and TV, so you're kind of having to work for for two different entities. Um, it's, it's a lot of reading. Uh, and that's what I, I mean, I, I don't know what I would do without beat writers and staff writers and all these folks who cover the team on a daily basis, because it's a lot of reading, a lot of listening, a lot of trying to get up to speed on a team that maybe I haven't had. I haven't had the Colts all year. So I've been studying them, trying to figure out who they are. I, I'm fortunate that I had the saints last week. So some of my reading was done mm-hmm. last week. And then I've just spent this week kind of catching up in the aftermath of that Jaguars loss. With having that game last week, what are some of the things that stood out to you about the Saints? Well, I, you look at the Saints team, and I, I I, argue that this is the most talented team on paper in the division and a top five talent team in the NFC. I mean, you, look, you have two terrific running backs. I think Derek Carr is a very capable quarterback. Rashid Shahid is his, the fastest guy, not named Tyreek Hill, in the National Football League. Michael Thomas and Chris Olave are stud receivers. You've got a lot of talent on this team. But the thing that stands out is the thing that I know has stood out for Saints fans all year long, and that's frustrations in the red zone and frustrations in the offensive line, not necessarily with the guys that are out there, but with just the inability to keep guys healthy and protect the quarterback and open up lanes for him to throw and get these guys involved. Now, Kevin, f- forget the, the the team for right now. We're going to circle back to your to your preparation. What do your notes look like? What I, what I basically do is I have charts that I put out on 11 by 17 papers, and I type them all up, little bios, information, statistical things that I like, and then I add to them with stuff I've found during the week and reading articles and going through a whole bunch of different notes, and then I, I'll add those in by hand as I get closer to the game. So I have all, of, for example, Derek Carr's red zone numbers versus his numbers outside the red zone. I'll add those in as part of a conversation that I'm sure we'll have when the Saints get into the red zone, as whether they're successful there or not, it's a great thing to go back to and say, hey, look, if they say they go into the red zone and are four for four on Sunday in the red zone, which I know would delight almost everybody in a Saints uniform, and certainly would delight everybody listening to this who is a Saints fan, it really would be illustrative to say, look, before this day, Derek Carr was 14 of 35 at a 40% completion percentage in red zone passing and today he's 
you know, six of seven. So you can really use those kind of numbers to illustrate the story that you want to tell and the story that has to be told about these teams. You know, that would delight us to no end if you can say that on Sunday, Kevin. <laughs> um, but but you, you see the Saints disconnect offensively in the red zone. And, you know, is, is that something that's strange? Because, I mean, it is somewhat of a new offense and new players trying to mesh together. And yet they even they thought they'd be farther along. I think you're seeing a couple of different things. And this is, again, my opinion. But the, the flux at running back has not helped the red zone situation. Didn't have Alvin for the first three games of the season. Then Jamal goes down with the hamstring injury. He spends four games on IR. So you have some flux at that position. Now everybody's back. Jamal's got a game under his belt in the return. I'm anxious to see if that helps out in the red zone with their productivity, maybe their ability to run the football. To me, it all comes down to the line. I mean, if you can get some guys consistent and solid on that line and you're not having to shuffle so many different people around trying to find tackles and certain guys who hadn't been at a tackle spot in many, many years like you did last Thursday night, I think once you get a little more stability in that line and you have the stability at that running back spot, I really do think it's going to improve. It's a talented team. And I, I, it's, it's sometimes head scratching for me to look at this roster and say, gosh, you know, they're not running the football at all. They're not really scoring a ton of points. It really surprises me. I expected this to be a very potent saints offense when the season started. You know, something that's gone a little bit under the radar. I don't, I don't necessarily know exactly why, because we played it up pretty high before the season, but Michael Thomas is about to play his eighth game. And um, for two years, the previous two years, didn't play. I think he played 10 total games. Um, Just what has he meant to the Saints offense, even though they're struggling, but having his presence back? Well, his stability, his veteran leadership, a guy who can who really draws a lot of attention from a defense. I think that's an underrated aspect of having somebody like Michael Thomas in there in that he's always going to draw attention from one of the best corners on the opposite side. I don't know how much they're going to double Michael Thomas with Chris Olave out there, with Shahid out there. You certainly hope they double some of these guys because it opens up a great opportunity for a one-on-one -on -one with any of the others that are not being doubled. But having Michael Thomas out there ensures that you're going to have somebody who draws a defense's attention right out of the gate. And he's still as productive as can be. What is it, 40, 14 straight games that he's gone over the 40-yard mark? He's just consistent. He's out there. He's drawing attention, and he's giving that veteran leadership to guys like Chris Olave or Rashid Shahid who are still just in their second years trying to figure out this game a little bit. The Saints are still a little bit imbalanced in terms of offense to defense. Uh, the defense is still the unit that's carrying this game, and yet they've started a little bit slow the last couple of games. But how much pressure is on that defense to, to I guess, almost be perfect? Perfect because giving up 17 points in the first two halves of the in the first half of the last two games has really proven to be detrimental to this team. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of pressure on any defense when you have an offense that struggles, especially in the red zone. And the real task is to avoid getting frustrated with one side of the ball or the other. And yeah, I haven't noticed that from the defense to the offense, at least from afar. And I thought that Saints defense in the second half on Thursday night against the Jaguars was outstanding. I mean, that's a really good offense that's clicking and the Jags went 104 yards. They were 0 for five on third down. I mean, this is a, this is a defense that really clamped down on an excellent offense when they needed to and allowed that offense of the saints, the chance to get back into the game. I, I, I know they lost that game and my gosh, I, I have no rooting interest, but my heart broke for Foster Moreau when he couldn't pull that into the back of the end zone. I was just, you just knew that was going to be a crusher for him and hopefully he can bounce back and have a big game this week. But 
if you get this offense going, this defense is good enough to shut anybody down. Now, it'll be a test this week. This Colts offense is clicking. They're putting a lot of points on the board. Gardner Minshew, when he's not turning it over, is really able to generate offense, and they've got their running game going again with Jonathan Taylor back and fully in the fold, fully healthy to go with Zach Moss. So this will be a real interesting challenge for this Saints defense. Can they hold down a Colts offense that really took it to the number one defense in the league last week in the Browns? Yeah, the Colts are the only team in the league right now that have scored over 20 points in every single game this season. So they definitely can put up the points. The issues have been the turnovers for them. Anytime they've lost a turnover battle, they've lost the game. What areas do you think the Saints are going to be able to exploit or attack in this one? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing if the Saints are going to be able to run the football against this team. Uh, this is a Colts defense that has struggled this year. They're still without Grover Stewart, their big nose guard, who's got five games left on the PED suspension. Eric Johnson got hurt last night or last week. No word as to whether or not he's going to be able to go, but they may have to bring up guys from the practice squad to fill spots in that defensive line. So the, the point of all that is there appears to be a, a weakness, perhaps, in the middle of that Colts defensive line. Can the Saints attack that and run the football a little bit, establish that ground game with Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams to see if they can take advantage of what might be the weakest part of this Colts team, that defense. Now, there's also some concerns in the secondary for the Colts. Juju Brents likely going to be out. They're not sure what they're going to do. Are they going to move their nickel Kenny Moore to the outside corner spot? Are they going to shift somebody else out there like Daryl Baker, who had those two penalties late in the game against the Browns that were controversial? Uh, there's a lot of questions on the back end of that defense as well. It's a defense that's trying to find its way, and the Saints offense feels like it's ready to break out. This would be a game that if they're going to break out, you'd feel like they would. Both of these teams right now sitting at three and four on the season. Which team would a win do more for? Well, that's a great question because – you look at what both of these teams have coming up. The Saints have the Bears, the Vikings, Atlanta in the division. The Colts have Carolina. Then they go to Germany. Then they get their bye. So to me, if the Saints get on track in this game, a Saints win means they're right in the thick of this division. For the Colts, their division looks like it's the Jaguars right now and everybody else. The Texans have been a bit of a surprise in their division this year. But for me, the Saints win to bounce back from what happened last week would be a little bit more significant because all of a sudden at four and four with a game against Chicago looming, the Bears have clearly been up and down and clearly have some quarterback stuff going on. A game at Minnesota, then after a week off the game at Atlanta, that could be, if the Saints can get this thing rolling, that game at Atlanta at the end of the month could really be a big game for the driver's seat in this division, but it all starts with this game on Sunday for New Orleans. I, that's why I think this game, probably a win for them, would be a little bit more impactful right now than it would for the Colts. Sure. It definitely feels like a pivotal game for the Saints in their season with some easier opponents coming up and then the bye week before they hit the division again. You mentioned quarterbacks, Gardner Minshew being the quarterback now there in the Colts. The Saints saw him last season when they played the Eagles. How beneficial do you think that is to have a little familiarity with him? Well, I think it always helps to see somebody for a second time versus a first time. Now, he's obviously got a different 
cast of characters around him. He's got a running game that he's going to rely on. He's able to throw the ball all around the lot, and that's a different – I mean, look, you've got an Eagles offensive coordinator running this Colts team with a former Eagles quarterback. So there are going to be some similarities from the head coach to the quarterback, but the personnel is so different and what the Colts want to do. They want to run the ball. They want to establish that run with Zach Moss. They want to establish that run now with Jonathan Taylor. If they can get that run going, then the pass game feeds off that run. They want to they want to establish that early. So I think having the familiarity with Gardner Minshew is important. Having the familiarity with what Shane Steichen wanted to do last year when he was in Philadelphia and now the head coach of the Colts also factors into that. You know, how pivotal is Jonathan Taylor to, to what they want to do? I know they have Zach Moss, but Jonathan Taylor was the guy, and now he seems to be getting back into the groove offensively. I think for the Colts to have a successful season, Jonathan Taylor has to have a successful season. They they rely so much on that run game. They need Jonathan Taylor to be good. I mean, look, what, what they've learned is that Zach Moss can be a very capable running back in this league. They learned that in the first four games of the year. He was averaging over 100 yards per game, and then that production, as you might imagine, is curtailed with the reemergence of Jonathan Taylor coming back from the injured list. But to have both of those guys back there, I think is big. But they, Jonathan Taylor is a transformational back in a league that doesn't value running backs very much. So if Jonathan Taylor can get the run game established, Zach Moss can spell him. I think this, this Colts team has the chance to really compete in their division. If they don't get Jonathan Taylor going, I think that bodes poorly for the Colts' chances as we go into the final several months of this season. Going back to what we were talking about earlier with your different jobs, different places that you have worked, you started out doing a lot of college. You did the NCAA tournament. You've done a lot of Final Fours. And the Olympics covered a lot of different events. What have been some of your favorites? Um, you know, it, it's, it, I'm glad you mentioned the Olympics because that's been, a, that was a really cool opportunity for me to call a bunch of Olympics. I got to call Usain Bolt on the track, which was a once in a lifetime thing. I got to call the dream team several times in China and in London and, and, uh, in Rio, which was a real thrill for me to call all that basketball at that, at that level, at the Olympic level. But, you know, the the final fours, I've been fortunate enough to be on the call for those since 2008 for Westwood One Radio. And I've had some great opportunities and some great moments, some great memories from those games. And and look, I, I get to work every single week now in the National Football League, which is the number one sport going right now. And it's every week I walk into a stadium and I get a chance to do a game. It's a, It's always kind of a career highlight for me. No matter how the game goes, it's just a really cool deal to be able to cover this great league and to, to be able to do it with my friends at Fox and my great team with Mark Sanchez and, and Laura Oakman on the field. So I'm really fortunate. I've had some really cool moments over the course of my career. Is this something that you always wanted to do being a sports broadcaster? You know, what's funny, Aaron, is that I initially wanted to be a sports agent and I thought I was going to go through the business school and I was going to go to law school and I was going to become an agent. And I just, that, it became very clear to me in college that was not the path I should take, which I've been told multiple times by people that I work with that that's a great thing because I would have been a terrible agent. I've been told that many <laughs> times by former players, which really bolsters my confidence. But hey, you'd have been awful as an agent, Kevin. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, and they're probably right. I mean, I, I don't know how good I would have been as a negotiator for that stuff. So I, I was always somebody who was I always loved sports, but there was a ceiling to my athletic prowess. 
So I had to find out some other way to stay involved in sports because it wasn't going to be because I could run faster, jump higher, throw further than anybody else. That was never going to be me. So wait, 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 yeah. wait. So you you would not have been a good agent because you're not mean enough? I think I think that's what the gist is, that I'm not particularly, John, a very good negotiator or perhaps not mean enough. Matt Millen was the first one to tell me that years ago. Oh, Kev, you'd have been a terrible agent. You'd have been an absolutely terrible agent. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. And I assume it's because, you know, Matt Millen, if you know Matt, Matt's a gruff, tough, old school football guy. And I am not gruff, tough, old school football guy. Uh, I'm just old school. So I don't know that I would have been the kind of agent he would have liked, but others have chimed in on that over the years. So I guess it's just I wouldn't have been enough of a aggressive, mean guy in the negotiating room. That's not a bad thing. Not if you're an agent, it's a bad yeah. thing. <laughs> your, your clients might think it's a bad thing. You mentioned the dream team. Obviously, here we work alongside the Pelicans as well. So basketball is big. That had to have been just a really awesome moment to see those guys on the court together. Oh, it was it was unbelievable. And you know, the the first time I did it was was the Beijing Games in two thousand eight. And I I mean, I still remember after games getting the chance to talk with Dwayne Wade or Kobe. I mean, it was just you know, it's those those iconic players that you've watched your whole life, and you're standing there chatting with them about you know, the 50 point beat down that they had over whoever they played that night. And it, it was, it was a really cool thing. And, you know, that level, you guys know this, that level of basketball is, is the very best. Those guys are the very best of the best. And to call those games was not only fun, it was challenging because the speed is just a little bit more than college. The pace is just a little bit more than college. The fluidity of the players is just a little bit different than the college game. And so that was a real fun challenge for me to be able to up my game as an announcer to match what was going on in the court. Different is radio and television. Uh, radio, I would say this, radio is a medium for the play-by-play -play person and television is an analyst's medium. So when I'm on television, my job is to make sure that my partner, in this case, Mark Sanchez, goes where he needs to go, where he focuses on the, I lead him to the places that he wants to talk about, the things that he finds important or interesting in this game on radio my job is to tell everybody where the ball is what the score is the down and distance all the stuff that you take for granted when you watch it on tv you cannot see it on the radios so you have to be able to have that person fill in the blanks and then i have to tell you in great descriptive detail where the ball is where it's going to what it happened on that play and what happens after that so really from a radio standpoint play-by-play -play is such a it's radio is such a play-by-play -play medium because you you are the you're the driver of this. You're more of a traffic cop on the TV side, making sure everybody gets what they need, and also you get the play call. But on the radio side, if my microphone cuts out, people aren't going to know what's going on in the game. It seems like a very tough job to be able to be on top of it as quick as it moves, especially with the basketball side. I appreciate the time. Hopefully. Mark Sanchez has a lot of time to analyze the Saints in a good way and what's working for us on Sunday. I, I hope so, too. Uh, Mark always finds good things to say about everybody, so I know he'll see some good stuff. And hopefully, uh, hopefully for Saints fans, it'll be a happy day in Indianapolis. Definitely. Thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks to Kevin for joining us. And don't forget, we will be live pre- and post-game with the New Orleans Saints pregame show on NewOrleansaints.com and then 
After the game, Scott Shanley and myself will be there to break down everything that happened. You'll hear from the head coach and players, so don't miss that. And of course, you can watch it on your phone while you're at the watch party at Manning's on Sunday. So hopefully, that's what you'll do. Enjoy the weekend, Saints fans, and let's get this dub. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast.